Hi, I'm Richard Mack, and this is MYB Cast Conversations with interesting people who are breaking barriers and forging the way for new medicine. Are you looking for health, for healing, for vitality? Join us at MYB Cast to meet people who are leaders in their field and learn to turn your life around to be the best you can be. Today's edition is very timely. We have a special guest who is speaking to us from Italy. His name is Gary Potter, and Gary and Madalena have been friends for many years. So without further ado, I would like to turn it over to my co-host, Madalena. I am very excited to be with a really dear friend of mine today, Gary Potter. And Gary lives in the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak in Italy. He lives in a town that was probably not all that well known until this horrible situation evolved. It's in the Lombardy region of Italy and it's called Bergamo. So I am really interested to hear Gary's firsthand experience of what life is like over there. Just a little background Gary's the owner of a language school, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and he teaches medical professionals to speak English. So many of his clients, his students, are doctors who have been working on the front lines dealing with this viral war that, we're, that we are globally going through. So without further ado, I would just like to hear Gary. <laughs> Welcome to MYBcast. Hello, hello, Madeline and Rick. So good to hear from you and see you, actually. But um, yes, thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. Um, my name is Gary, and I live in Bergamo, Italy. I've been living here for the last uh, 13 years, and I own and I run a language school here in Bergamo, where we do not just um, uh, teach language, we do translations, uh, we organize events, we do uh, everything, not only in English, but also in about eight or nine other languages. So um, I have a staff of about 22 teachers that work alongside of me, and uh, our main clientele are the businesses. We help mostly adults and businesses work better outside of Italy. So that's what I do in a nutshell. Is it accurate for me to say that your main line of work is teaching medical people? Some of the people I teach. I teach all different aspects. Um, I teach medical people. I help a lot of the medical students who are graduating uh, write their thesis in English. And I update a lot of current uh, uh, doctors, nurses on um, new techniques and what they're called in English, just kind of help their vocabulary should they have to encounter, you know, a person uh, from outside of Italy um, who doesn't speak Italian. So I'm in contact with a lot of people in the medical field. I work directly out of about four uh, hospitals two in Bergamo and three in uh, Milan. Bergamo is a medieval uh, town, which is about 40 minutes outside of Milan. 
So Gary, one of the first things that I notice in looking at some of the news coming out of Bergamo, one of the things that really struck me is a story that said the sirens never stop. And they showed some footage of, I guess it was a police vehicle or something going through the streets, announcing to people stay in their homes. And I'm struck by how quiet it is listening to your background from here. So was that a real accurate account of what's been going on there? Yeah, well, first of all, I have been in um, more or less quarantine now for over a month. A little over a month ago, they shut down the schools, including my school. All schools had to be closed. So, uh, but they didn't really start to strictly enforce the quarantine until about a week or so later when the numbers really started to soar. And so it was about three weeks ago was when we were hearing the ambulances go by literally every five minutes, 24 hours a day. It was nonstop. As of last week, it was a lot better. Um, it was like one every two or three hours, and now we only hear a few a day. Is that because people are complying? Yes, it's because everyone has been on a really strict lockdown now for over two weeks, and um, everything is closed. The police do come by with the loud uh, speakers, uh, reminding everyone that they have to stay inside of the house. And they've also imposed very, very large fines for people who are caught outside without a written permission to be uh, um, outside or a good reason. Like they have to work for like a supermarket or a hospital in order for them to be uh, outside. If not, anyone else caught outside gets a really hefty fine. So does that mean that everyone's getting their groceries delivered? No, you can go out to go to the uh, supermarket. Um, each uh, one person in, in a family is allowed to go out and do food shopping, but they can only go to the supermarket, which is closest to their house. So even if you have a favorite supermarket and it's one town over, you can't go there. If they stop you on the street, you can get a hefty fine, which is, I think, now close to about three or $4,000 would be the translation. So that's what people are staying close to home in case they are stopped. And of course, all are respecting the two-meter distance. At least everyone has masks on and everyone has to wear gloves as well. So the research that I did showed that the first confirmed case in Lombardy was February 21st. It's April 4th. And there are 119,000, almost 120,000 confirmed cases today. So that's not even two months. Didn't hit uh, Bergamo until about a month ago. It was first detected in a small town called Codogno, which is in the province of Cremona, which is part of Lombardia, which is about 45 minutes from Bergamo. So it started there. That was where the outbreak first started in Italy. And then after that, it just migrated to Bergamo because population. And most of all, we have a very large elderly population. And I literally have three people who live in my apartment complex who are all over 100 years old. And mm. they live alone and they're in great shape. They're in fine shape. 
Yes, and they're still healthy. In fact, myself and a few of our other neighbors uh, were helping out doing their food shopping for them, making sure that they don't leave their um, apartments uh, for any reason. God bless them. So what I saw was that the population of that region where you are is 122,000. So if you were just to look at the numbers, that's basically everyone is dead. Yeah. <laughs> the equivalent of your whole town is basically dead. And they're saying that they think that the death toll is significantly higher than what's been reported. Yes. I think I saw like 5 million. Um, the problem was um, not now so much, but uh, because of this virus hit so hard and so strong, a lot of uh, people, especially older people, were not going to the hospital. And they were not calling the ambulance, and they were, and and they ended up dying at home. Uh, just to give you a little bit of a background about how the virus works, according to not just uh, my students who are in the medical field, but also my regular students who are in their 30s and 40s who all contracted the disease. They weren't 100% sure at first that they contracted it, um, but after we heard the symptoms, it was very, very obvious. And they did not go to the hospitals. People usually only go to the hospital or call the ambulance when they can't breathe. Because most people just thought it was a regular flu, a nasty flu virus. Nobody thought that it was COVID-19. Uh, so that was um, how it started. And because of that, a lot of my younger students, especially who almost all contracted it, were able to get over it themselves at home. They quarantined themselves in a room and uh, they were able to get over it. A few of my students who were not so lucky about uh, staying home, went to the hospital. And uh, that's where I was able to hear a lot of some really um, scary stories about what was actually happening there. And it made me fear more for what was going to happen when this hit the U.S. Only the people who couldn't breathe were actually going to the hospitals. And they were the ones who are part of the numbers who were being counted. By the time that happens, is it too late? Is that is well? It, it has an interesting progression. It starts with a high fever that lasts um, anywhere between five to ten days, and it's very high. It would be like 103, 104 in Fahrenheit. Immediately, they lose their sense of smell and their sense of taste. This is consistent. Everybody. Yes, exactly. I haven't heard anyone who hasn't had this. And then it moves into the sore throat. That's when it can be a bit dangerous because once it moves into the throat, that's when it starts to move quickly into the lungs. And so that's why people start to cough and that's why people can't breathe and they lose their breath. So that's kind of the progression. A lot of the younger people that I know were all able to stop it when it was still in the head. But afterwards, they felt like they got hit by a bus. They all say that it is really the worst flu they've ever, ever had. But that's when their bodies obviously started to uh, create uh, antibodies against it and started to fight the virus itself. So you have some um, people that you know who have not succumbed to this? Yeah, a lot. Most of my students. I have lost a few students that were in their 50s, a few in their 60s, uh, but they had 
I don't want to say underlying health problems, but uh, like they had high blood pressure. Uh, they were like borderline diabetic or something like that. They weren't the healthiest people, for one. However, it did get some people who were extremely healthy. A few of my students who went into the hospital that had to be put on ventilators were marathon runners and joggers and soccer players. But when the virus got down into their chest, they just could not breathe. And so they were in the hospital on ventilators. And um, thank God, uh, almost all of them so far have come out and in one piece. So Gary, has there been any sort of protocol to with the virus once you, once you experience the temperature rising in your body and your loss of smell and breath? The doctors here, number one, tell them to stay home if they can, if it's not too bad, because the hospitals are literally just overrun with people. There are people in, in the hallways. It's like what you see in New York now, but it's, it's really, really bad. There are just people lying on stretchers in the hallway, literally gasping for breath, waiting for someone to help them. And the staff is just not able, of course, to handle anything this big. So what they uh, do is they recommend people to stay at home and just to take some aspirin uh, in order to reduce the fever and just hope that their own immune systems will start to fight off the virus. How far ahead of New York would you say you are at this point in the curve? A month. Okay. And in yeah. that month, would you say that the virus is actually flattening out or are you experiencing pretty much a continuing rise in it? Can you give us an example? Outside of the ambulances are not uh, being as obvious as before, the number of people contagious is, is dropping. Uh, the number of deaths is consistent. It's always around 800, 1,000 a day. Uh, but those are also people, don't forget, that were probably infected a few weeks ago or more. So the most important thing is that the number of new infections is going down. And that is directly related to everyone staying at home, social distancing, and everybody working from home as well. So we don't have that mandate here. No, we don't. And in fact, I don't know, a day or two ago, they just said, oh, maybe it is a good idea for people to wear masks. So now they're recommending, not requiring people to wear face masks. Well, the face masks, um, what they've learned here, don't really protect you from the virus. They protect you from infecting other people. It's an airborne virus, so it comes through the air. So one, one of the places that your biggest risk for is your eyes as well. So because um, uh, your eyes are gland ducts where uh, the virus can get into. I think one of the reasons why we had such a big outbreak here in Bergamo is because our soccer team, Atalanta, uh, had a wonderful season. They were winning all of their games. And so because of that, every time they had a game, everyone was crowded into bars and restaurants with widescreen TVs. If they weren't all just crowding into the stadiums. Um, and so that just really forced more people together. And this virus literally spreads like wildfire. Another thing I heard from my students, and I also work for a few pharmaceutical companies, American and European, and what they told me that was interesting about the test 
is that the actual virus test only proves, uh, shows positive if the person has the virus. Only time the test proves positive. So a person who does not have symptoms, who might not be fighting it yet, can still have it and still transmit it. That is one of the reasons why they noted immediately that it was the children and the young people that were spreading the virus. They were not getting it, but they were the ones, go give your grandmother a kiss. And uh, without knowing it, uh, they were kissing grandma and grandpa, okay? And not knowing they were spreading the virus. That's why this mandate for social distancing and quarantine has been so effective over the last few weeks. I have to disagree about the masks. I really feel that even if the virus can come through the eyes, which you know, we know that it, it does, bacteria and infection, and at least you're protecting yourself in two places where it can mm-hmm. come. And also the presence of a mask on your face is going to make you aware and prevent you from touching your face, which is another problem that I think is manifesting. And I can't imagine that it doesn't filter something sure. out I don't know. Um, that's just what they were kind of talking about. Now everyone is wearing masks uh, just out of common courtesy to being out in public. But uh, another school of thought, because they're still not exactly sure how, how quickly or how easily it was transmitted, but they were saying just the, the fact of taking your mask on and off, you touch your mask and your face at the same time. So you're actually pushing more of whatever might be on your mask onto your face. So that was another school of thought. But literally, I I have no idea. I have a mask and uh, I have a ski mask and I have rubber gloves. (laughs) Wear them when you go out, I hope. (laughs) Yes, I wear them when I go to the supermarket. And I I wash everything uh, I I get from the supermarket. Just, you know, wipe it down with a wet rag with some, uh, you know, bleach on it or something like that. Nothing too crazy, but, uh, you know, just to make sure it's not on anything. (laughs) I've heard the story about this, um, your local team, your local soccer team, as you said, having this incredible season. And then I guess they had some big playoff game and they were playing in Milan at a stadium that was gigantic by comparison. Yeah. People came in and just took took the virus and brought it everywhere to a whole new level. Even when they started the quarantine, the team was still playing some games. They were playing them in empty stadiums just to keep the season going. Unfortunately, on this, and even though they weren't in a live stadium, everyone was still packing into people's houses and everything and bringing beer and pizza to watch the game together. So um, it was still spreading, even if the actual team was not playing in a stadium with people. So what's it like when you walk to the grocery store or however you get there? What's the experience like outside? It's strange because there's no people. Uh, You only see a few people maybe walking their dogs, just staying close to home. Um, uh, You rarely see a car. It's just a surreal experience. And when you do go to the supermarket, they uh, limit the number of people in the supermarket. So they make you form a line outside the supermarket. Of course, everyone maintaining the six foot, uh, 10 foot distancing. 
Um, for example, I went to the supermarket today and I had to wait in line for about an hour and 15 minutes before I could get into the supermarket. Wow. Yeah. How's the mood? Are people friendly? Are they grumpy? With everyone wearing masks, it's difficult to see people smiling. So people kind of go out of their way to say hello to each other, you know, and they wish each other a good day. Um, we've had a couple of moments of silence here where um, no matter where you are, they've stopped everything and everyone has stopped for a moment of silence, uh, a few minutes of silence uh, for all the people who have died. So you're about 30 days uh, ahead of New York right now. Where are you as far as seeing the quarantine being lifted? Do you have any clue on that yet? Um, they keep pushing the date back, of course. Right now they're saying probably after Easter is when the things are going to start to open up. But right now they're planning a very calculated schedule on how to open it up because they're afraid just to you know open everything up, let the floodgates out, and then the virus will spike again. So they're trying to be very, very careful about how and when uh, they allow people to go back to work or go back to school. So one of the things that we, we heard, and there's controversial whether this is a flu or is it a virus that doesn't, that, you know, may act like a flu, but it doesn't have the same characteristics of a flu, where warmer weather will basically reduce the spread of it. Is there any talk about, you know, now we're moving into springtime, the weather's starting to get warmer and so forth. Are there any talk about that being something that might impact the speediness of coming back into normal? Well, I don't know about the weather because here it hasn't been very cold for the last month. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say it's probably been in like the 60s uh, where you are. Okay, so it hasn't been very, very cold here. It, uh, from what I've heard and speaking to my students, of course, is that um, it all depends on the person's individual level of health. Um, a healthier person is not going to be affected as badly as a person who is not as healthy. Um, there's uh, there are different theories now that we've heard about about how about blood types, about how it affects people who have more of an A blood type and less people that have an O blood type. However. If a person is going through chemotherapy, they're going to get the virus because their immune system is shot no matter what their blood type is. So um, it all depends on each person's individual uh, body type. Um, they do know, of course, that it's a virus and viruses tend to feed on glucose. So people who have a diet that is lower in carbohydrates have a stronger defense mechanism against it. But that's true for all viruses. It's not just this one. If you don't eat a lot of carbs uh, or limit your amount of carbs, it's, uh, sometimes it's a bit better for your immune system. I have a question before we change directions. We're hearing a lot here about the media hyping this coronavirus. And I mean, I imagine that that could be true. Because anything that gets people's attention is always great for selling something. Do you have a position on that? Do you think that there's any level of extreme that's too much to talk about this virus? 
I think when it first came out um, he, in here, I remember hearing that the U.S. Uh, news services were kind of saying almost the same thing. Oh, they're exaggerating their numbers, you know. They're, uh, but um, I think if anyone in the U.S. now has any doubt about this virus, go visit a New York hospital right now. <laughs> go see what that's like. I've heard from too many of my uh, friends and colleagues uh, who live in New York, uh, and even who work in the medical uh, field, that that's not made up. They're really body bags filling, uh, you know, tractor trailers uh, of bodies. It's that's not uh, that's not a joke. Even here, when it was first hitting very very hard, there were too many dead bodies, and the military had to come in to actually move them uh, from the hospitals and places and put them to the morgue because there were just too many. They were overwhelmed. So um, it's hard to fake a thousand people dying a day, <laughs> I think. I don't think. I don't think you can fake news a thousand people dying a day without somebody noticing it. <laughs> so that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> well, didn't you say that the bodies were being stacked in the hallway and some of them... Yes. Exactly, because they didn't have anywhere to put them um, until they could move them out. And, and that's happening now in New York as well. That's not fake news. I saw a report that uh, you were getting some help from the Russians. The Russian army, our medical groups were coming in to help you people out. Um, did you experience that in your area? Uh, they were coming to the borders. I don't think they were coming into the town, uh, um, into where we are. My town is literally on the border of uh, Switzerland and Austria is my area and um, an hour and a half from France. Um, so uh, where we are, we're very landlocked and isolated. And I didn't see any Russian trucks coming, but I was told they came to our borders and they were bringing supplies like masks and ventilators and things like that that they needed. That's just what I was told. I didn't know anything about it besides that. MYB Cast is produced and engineered by Mitch Lieber, recorded at Beef Machine Studios. MYB Cast is sponsored by Mind Your Body, a somatic movement therapy, yoga therapy, and meditation clinic located in Cedar Grove, New Jersey. For more information, contact us at mindyourbody.us.